This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. A few years back, I, I got to give a big presentation at the uh, National Council for Teachers of Math, or the NCTM National Conference, and after my speech, the president was speaking, and so I ran over to see if I could hear the last of his speech, and I got there just for the very end, and they were, you know, people were coming up to the mic, and, and they got an opportunity to ask questions. And so somebody asked the question, hey, why is it that uh, United States children are doing so poorly in math compared to their international counterparts? And I thought to myself, okay, you know, here comes a long-winded answer. And instead, the president leaned into the microphone, and he said, lack of real-world relevance. Next question, please. And I thought, wow, that... That was, really, uh, that was really profound to me. And so I went back to my class and I, I created a game that I call the Math Professor. And I don't have any crazy outfits or anything, but I pretend to be a math professor. And I claim that there is nothing that does not have something to do with math. And if the kids can think of something that has nothing to do with math, they win a prize. And so, you know, I teach middle school, so year after year, it's the same stuff. They bring up ketchup, and we talk about ratios and proportions and cost production and calories, or my kids are really into soccer, and so we talk about distance and angles and score, and I will admit once I was almost stumped. Kid raised his hand in the back of the class and said, Mr. Kajitani, I know something that has nothing to do with math. I said, what? He said, love. And I thought about it for a while, and just as I was about to admit defeat, another student raised his hand and said, oh, I know, I know what math has to do with love. I said, what? He said, when you're in love, that can be very expensive. (laughs) And another student, another student raised his hand and said, oh, I know also, in math, one plus one equals two. But if you're in love and you're not careful, one plus one can equal three. And when you teach eighth grade boys, you cut that off right there. Done. So speaking of moving on, you are in for a real treat with this next panel. We are going to dive into our next panel discussion on creative collaborations. And this group is led by uh, Anne Bound Crawford, who is the director of the Arcata Institute and steering committee member of Create California, which stands for Core Reforms Engaging Arts to Educate. I'm a high school art teacher, and uh, I've been (laughs) I've been a high school art teacher for almost 40 years now, and I love it. It's my right livelihood. I've had the opportunity, though, to work as well on a state level with Create California, which. you just had the letters read out to you about what it actually means. But we're actually, I mean, we're actually creating California in, in everything that we want to do here. That's our hope. I started out in 2011. I was one of the original six people that went to the NEA think tank. And it's just kind of blown up from there. Uh, it, it's immensely gratifying. We were six, we had a grand idea, we're still on the same path with that grand idea and we're realizing um, things that we talked about in a small room in Chicago. Um, Our challenge at the time remains our challenge right now to ensure that each student in the state of California reaches his or her full potential by broadening California's educational vision, policy, and practices to promote innovation 
economic development, and creativity. And, you know, I'm, we're a coalition. Craig did a great job of explaining that to you before. We're, it's shared leadership. We've got California Department of Ed and CSESA and California Arts Council and um, the Alliance for Arts Education all working together. Um, I'm, I'm the kind of wild card. I'm the teacher. So if things start to get really, you know, pie in the sky, and I, I get to go, you know, that's probably not going to happen in a classroom. So, yeah, I, I get to reality check a little bit. Um, but we've actually done stuff. We enabled the Otis Report to be written. And you can find that. We've got an executive order coming from Governor Brown that's going to go on the top of the toolkit that the Alliance is putting out and how to help districts go through the, the um, LCAP procedure. We've made it possible for people to understand that Title I money can be used for the arts in schools. Um, there is a whole program that uh, the President's Committee on Arts and Humanities is working in partnership with us for called Turnaround Art School, and that was just, just launched. Creativity at the Core is, is happening because of the concerted effort of the many, many people that create California are putting together. And we wrote a report for the superintendent, Tom Torlickson, on um, a blueprint for creative schools, which will be published probably sometime in August. And we are many, many people now, almost 600. So we have grown from six people sitting in a room in Chicago to 600. It's shared leadership. It's exactly what this is here. It's radical collaboration. And of course, I'm from Chicago in the 60s and 70s, so I was at the Democratic Unconvention, so I'm really comfortable with that. But I think it means radical in the sense of being root level. We're an open architecture that's flexible and adaptable, inclusive, not exclusive. We're distributed partnership with shared leadership. We're interested in collective impact. We arrive at destinations cohesively, but from different directions. We honor autonomy and practice distributed problem solving. Everything that should be happening in every school in the state of California. These folks are doing some amazing work, and I'm going to let them talk about it. Good afternoon. I'm Sherry Aspland, and I work for NASA at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I work for two NASA programs of robotic space investigations that are studying our solar system. I don't have a STEM background, my degree's in journalism, so I love to find different and innovative ways to bring the excitement of STEM subjects to kids. I want to captivate them, I want to capture their interest and their curiosity, and that's where I think STEAM is so wonderful. And I've been very fortunate to work with two really super partners the last couple of years to create two really cool STEAM collaborations. So Art and the Cosmic Connection is STEAM in action. Art and the Cosmic Connection is a very robust and clever program developed by artist educators Monica and Tyler Aiello, who are here. I met the Aiellos through a mutual friend and colleague who showed me their work, and it blew me away. They use images of the solar system to create amazing paintings and sculptures. This activity engages learners of all ages in creative scientific inquiry, and I mean all ages. It's been done with kindergartners up through retirement age folks. 
Students become artist explorers as they investigate the mysterious worlds of our solar system through the lens of visual art. NASA spacecraft are visiting the planet's moons, small bodies of our solar system, returning intriguing images of otherworldly features. They're beautiful, but what is it we're actually seeing there? Art in the Cosmic Connection investigates how the elements of art, line, shape, color, value, and texture, can help uncover the geologic stories of our celestial neighbors. Straight and squiggly lines, circles and blobs, they reveal so much to help us unravel what went on over billions of years. Color, value, and texture deepen the understanding. What you're looking at is Vesta. It's the second largest object in the main asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. We had a spacecraft spend a whole year orbiting it. What you're seeing? Circles indicate lots and lots of craters. The colors show different minerals on the surface. So creating art is very tactile and engaging. There's a big difference between simply looking at a NASA image and actually drawing it. The drawing process hones observational skills and encourages inquiry. Students really examine the images at a heightened level through the drawing process. This leads to additional questions, deeper analysis, and new discoveries. Our activity uses soft pastels, but it can be extended um, into mixed media, and you can do so many more things with it. It's a powerful tool that gives everyone new eyes through which to view our cosmic neighborhood. Space School Musical, uh, it brings the solar system to life as students learn about the planets, moons, asteroids, comets, and more. It combines science with music, fun lyrics, and simple choreography for an innovative, multidisciplinary experience. As we've heard today, the performing arts can be a powerful way to engage students in science. Research suggests that songs and drama effectively build student knowledge and interest. Engaging students in active learning through multiple approaches reaches those who learn in different ways and encourages them to interact with the content and with each other. Song-based learning helps students develop vocabulary, understand and remember what they've learned, and to make personal connections. So these are some of the really cool NASA missions that I've been privileged to work with over the last 15 years. And this is the whirlwind, the hula-hooping whirlwind that is Kelly McQuinn. I um, just happened to attend a workshop she was giving at an after-school conference a few years ago for her company, which is called Kid Tribe. At the time, I was actively looking for ways to get kids up and moving and having fun while they're learning about planetary science. Kelly's joyful approach to learning lured me in. I told her about our space missions, and she said, Cher, I see a play. And I said, Kel, we're go for launch. And so I hired her to create what became Space School Musical. She later admitted to me she didn't even know all the planets, let alone the order that they're in. (laughs) But she did amazing research to write the songs, and her love of learning, she told me, was completely reawakened. And she said it really made her angry to think back about how boring her teachers had made science and math to her. So my next point is that you don't have to be Einstein to teach kids science. Art, drama, music teachers, after-school educators, explore with your kids, look for the answers together, encourage questions, have fun, and make them laugh. That's what it's really all about. 
So we've done a lot of trainings with after-school educators, more than 2,000 of them. Kids all over the country are performing Space School Musical. I've gone to some amazing performances. Um, and what I would like to do now is show you a quick preview. Please roll video. We're going to have fun. All right. How are you guys doing? You're looking great. Uh, my name is Haley. I am a comet. A stand-up comet. All righty then. All right. Okay. We rock. We are the scientists. We understand you. We're the experts. Don't be afraid to fail, we're the scientists. We want to help you. Believe you can do it. Take a breath and exhale. That is so unfair to put me after you. That is not cool. <laughs> Who did that? 
That's awesome. I think I know the person who books for this auditorium, you know, in case you, I think we need to have a space musical, musical here. Fantastic. Awesome work. Um, my name's Ed Hidalgo, and I am a staffing guy. I hire people for a living. I don't know if we publish these stats, but last year, 100,000 applications for jobs at Qualcomm. I think we hired 5,000 last year, mostly in science, technology, engineering, and math-related roles. So. Um, the, the, the one thing that I'm often reminded of when we stand here in Irwin Jacobs Hall is something that Dr. Jacobs would often say that he didn't need to say. And essentially it was, um, innovation isn't just for engineers, or it isn't just for engineering. And I always felt that Dr. Jacobs was speaking directly to me. He doesn't know me, but I always felt like he was speaking directly to me. So as an HR guy, how could I innovate in my role? How could I create something bigger than what you think of me as just an, a staffing guy or a hiring guy that can make a greater impact in our community. So the slides that I'll share today, and which are all photos, are really um, a testimony to that journey over the last five years that have brought us to a place um, that I think is gonna make a greater impact in our community. Not, and an impact that would not have happened without the incredible collaborations with UCSD, with Dr. Etabeta, with our own internal employees, um, as well as with many of the local schools. So in 2009, sitting right here in this auditorium, we welcomed in our first higher youth program with 30 disadvantaged, underprivileged youth. And when I talk about collaborations, this would not have happened without the San Diego Workforce Partnership. It would not have happened without organizations like Barrio Logan College Institute or Reality Changers or the Futures Foundation or YALA or ProKids or others who helped us find these talented young men and women to spend seven weeks here at Qualcomm learning about the world of work. Many of these kids had never seen the ocean before. So how could you expect that they would ever aspire to being an engineer? The question that we often ask ourselves is, how does a child aspire to something they don't know exists? These students came here to Qualcomm and their world was opened wide over those seven weeks. Much thanks goes to Dr. Dan Sullivan, our Executive Vice President of HR, who helped fund these programs and make this happen. This was our very first class. It would not have happened without an incredible group of staffing professionals, career counselors, Shannon Jordan, who's in this room today, that gave their time to that program. There were no employees that were dedicated employees to the world of work. They all used their discretionary effort. So art for us was getting on whiteboards, creating visions of the future. What could innovation be? Let's, let's make something up that hasn't happened before. And the photo in the bottom right was our career counseling team um, administering the Strengths Finder to all of the students, freshmen and sophomores at E3 Civic High about three weeks ago. We never thought that was possible either, but we went and did it. So that initial 2009 program has led to many other programs. It has led to a World of Work uh, project for our employees, um, uh, kids, high school kids. It has also led to a um, program for wounded vet veterans, and um, it has now led us to uh, Think a Bit Lab, um, which I'll share a photo of in a, in a few minutes. 
But it's amazing whether you're a veteran or whether you're a 12-year-old, again, that same question is relevant. How do you aspire to something that you don't know exists? For our veterans that set foot here, they had no idea how they could translate their skills, their passions, their interests, and their values to a role at Qualcomm. In fact, most of the veterans think that we're a construction company. Most of the kids think that we're a construction company. They think we build stadiums. <laughs> you weren't supposed to laugh. But in addition to that, um, that journey around opening their minds to the world of work and engineering, we also incorporate the arts. And that has probably been one of the most fun components to our journey. So whether it's long exposure photography here with the World of Work Camp, whether it's culinary arts with the World of Work Camp, we have our, our youth come in and they do the Top Chef Challenge out in the courtyard, whether it's creating mandalas, um, whether it's meditation, we bring all of those components together because we do believe in that, um, the arts component in our world of STEM. And so our, our vice president said to us, great that we've been doing these programs for the last five years, but I want to go bigger, and I want you to incorporate the component of STEM in that. Because STEM was always kind of a part of it, but it wasn't core. So about a year ago, we started dreaming up, what if? What if we had a lab on site where every middle schooler could come and have an experience at Qualcomm to experience the world of work and to experience the world of engineering. People thought we were a little bit crazy. How's that gonna happen? And so today, on the top floor of one of our buildings, when we're at 98% occupancy, our company, being an incredible steward to this community, has given a space to your children and to my children so that hopefully any middle schooler that wants to come can come and have an experience around the world of work at Qualcomm and learn a little bit about engineering. So I hope you'll join us today if you have a chance to come by. If you don't, I look forward to hosting you in the future. Thank you for all you do. I'm Nan Renner. I direct the San Diego Incubator for Innovation, which is part of the Art of Science Learning, a national project hosted by the Balboa Park Cultural Partnership and funded by the National Science Foundation. Harvey Seifter, who's the principal investigator of this project, would have loved to have been here today, but he's at Georgia Tech today for a, a conference also funded by NSF, which is called Advancing STEM Education Through culturally situated arts-based learning. So bringing in people who have traditionally been excluded from STEM disciplines by integrating the arts in ways that are, are culturally engaging and culturally appropriate. There are three incubators for innovation, one here in San Diego, also in Chicago and Worcester, Massachusetts. Each one of these incubators all three now up and running have recruited in a grassroots manner a multidisciplinary learning community. So artists, scientists, educators, business people, engineers, high school students, professors have come together to engage in a year-long program of workshops and project-based learning. This is community-driven innovation. Each one of these cities has selected a civic challenge to focus the incubator's efforts. And I think there's a handful of our innovation fellows from the San Diego Incubator here. If, if you don't mind raising your hands in case people want to chat with you about your experience, thanks for coming today. We're a, a pretty steamy bunch. 
<laughs> Many of our meetings take place in Balboa Park. Uh, members of the Cultural Partnership host our meetings, and, uh, and our focus is on water. Um, and in our recruitment effort, we really made a, a deliberate effort to make clear the value proposition of participating in this year-long program. It's a significant investment of time and energy. And that value proposition is that you can join with a, a network of action-oriented problem solvers. You can beef up your skills of creativity, innovation, and entrepreneurship. And you can innovate some new product, process, service, or educational program in, in San Diego related to water. We launched on October 12th at the Air and Space Museum, one of our, our partners. And on this day, we began building our learning community. We formed a, a team for that day. And in the subsequent workshops, those teams were combined and recombined so that people got to know each other as people, not as the scientist, the engineer, the teacher, the student, but as people working together toward a shared goal. On this day, the activity was metaforming, and our fellows created three-dimensional metaphors for multiple meanings of innovation. And then these objects served as, as uh, conversational anchors to unpack those meanings of innovation and to talk about our aspirations for the year. We've used jazz improvisation and movement here at the Old Globe Theater. Um, we use movement to explore opportunities. Oftentimes, the arts are integrated in innovation processes just in the ideation phase, you know, when you're brainstorming or generating ideas. We've been using the arts throughout the innovation process, so exploring and analyzing opportunities. Um, so this, this double diamond around, you know, what is the opportunity and then converging on a target, and then what is the, the solution and then converging on a target. Uh, we started with the practice challenge, and then we moved to the water challenge. We got off the Balboa Park campus up to the San Diego River Valley and started exploring the interface of fresh water, salt water, built environment, natural environment. Um, we went out on December 14th for our first public event where we explored the Pueblo watershed. We had uh, trained facilitators and we went out and, and documented 10 sites in the Pueblo watershed which drains to San Diego Bay, um, converged at uh, Woodbury School of Architecture, another partner on this project, and shared what we learned at these 10 sites, in some cases uh, making sculptures and annotating these satellite images, sharing photos and, and the data. We used sculpture here to explore the opportunity space and uh, used our enthusiasm meter with pennies for people to vote on the opportunities that, that most interested them as we created this massive sculpture of, of each individual opportunity. Another public event on January 25th, hosted by the Natural History Museum, Water in Search of Solutions. We brought in community members to share their expertise with panel discussions, interactive activities. I saw Adam Bergasser here from Beach Physics. He's going to be in the exhibit hall. Um, and then drawing on, on that wealth of knowledge from the community, our incubator community then created 
exhibits of their ideas for solutions and used these exhibits to explore their ideas and express their ideas and recruit support from among the incubator. Since then, we, we formed our 10 teams, all of them focused on our water challenge. Some are education focused, such as repurposing trash in the Tijuana River watershed to create filters to filter gray water and storm water, um, to creating uh, web-based tools to promote collaboration. We're also using the arts to focus on the core skills of, of innovation creativity, communication, and collaboration. Among some of these opportunities that I think transcend the incubator for innovation and the art of science learning and using the, the visual and performing arts, it encourages, the, or arts encourage play and cultural practices that, that enable social coordination and team building. They exercise the imagination and allow exploration of multiple meanings. The arts are a means to represent and communicate ideas, to analyze, synthesize, explore, and interact. And I think this is a really interesting realm for future research so we can continue building on our current efforts. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, so my name is Molly Kelton, and I'm a doctoral student in mathematics education at San Diego State University and the University of California, San Diego. Um, and I have the privilege of serving as co-principal investigator on a new initiative funded by the National Science Foundation called the Informal Mathematics Collaborative, um, which we just call affectionately InfraMath for short. Uh, the InfraMath Collaborative brings together educational researchers at SDSU and museum professionals in San Diego's Balboa Park to establish a research and design center on museum-based educational experiences that engage learners with mathematics in new ways. Um, we're currently in our first pilot year of a four-year project, so we're not quite to the awesome video phase of the <laughs> grant just yet. <laughs> um, our partners include San Diego State University's Center for Research in Mathematics and Science Education, the Balboa Park Cultural Partnership, and four art and science museums in Balboa Park. So we have the Natural History Museum, the Ruben H. Fleet Science Center, the Museum of Photographic Arts, and Mingay International Museum. And one of the overarching motivations for the work of InfraMath is that mathematics in our culture has a bit of a public image problem. <laughs> it's our feeling that widely circulating beliefs about what mathematics is and who mathematicians are tend to inhibit learners from engaging meaningfully with mathematics and from seeing themselves in mathematics. The InfraMath Collaborative is exploring the conjecture that educational experiences that integrate mathematics with the arts and sciences have the potential to disrupt these pretty limiting cultural images of mathematics and create new inroads for learners to experience math as creative, accessible, relevant, and enjoyable. 
So with this objective in mind, over the next several years, InfraMath will be conducting a series of design experiments, essentially. Um, and we're experimenting with exhibit prototypes and public programs that engage public audiences as well as school groups with the intersections among art, science, and math. The images you're looking at now show a recent pilot we conducted at Mingay International during a monthly event for families. Uh, using one of the museum's currently featured exhibitions as inspiration, we paired hands-on craft activities with uh, some prototype technologies that we've started calling mathematical tools for drawing. And on the top right, you can see one of the products of these uh, tools. On the bottom right, you can see a little girl using one of them. And the suite of experience as a whole was designed to allow children and their parents to create a variety of their own works of art and at the same time explore interrelations among three-dimensional objects and the different ways they can be represented or transformed into two dimensions. We also collected data on the event itself. So um, hiding in that top left photograph is a camera. Um, and so we, we collected video recordings of visitor experiences on the floor of the museum, and we also conducted interviews. Now the InfraMath Collaborative is just starting to analyze that data in order to guide our work in the coming years. So that means that the InfraMath Collaborative is a research project. So our activities will ultimately encompass iterative prototyping, data collection and analysis, and ultimately the publication and dissemination of research findings. So as we're creating these experimental interventions that integrate across disciplines, we're also collecting and analyzing data on learner experiences with these interventions in order to inform subsequent design and also contribute um, to theory about the benefits and challenges of um, doing education that integrates across disciplines. And this addresses what we see as a need in the STEAM movement for more research to help us reflect on and make the most of our efforts. Educational interventions that bridge and blend disciplines, I think, are necessarily contexts for the professional learning and development of the educators who design and implement them. So that includes me. Um, in addition to being a research and design project, we consider the InfraMath Collaborative to be a learning and development experience for all of the professionals involved, including art and science educators and exhibit designers from participating museums, as well as those of us who bring expertise in mathematics and mathematics education, but might be pretty shy about thinking about engaging learners with art. Um, so professional development in this project includes structuring time just for ourselves to teach one another important concepts from art, science, and mathematics to engage ourselves in open-ended experimentation and play as learners and to broaden our own visions of ourselves as educators. Thank you. Hi, folks. Uh, my name is Brent Bushnell, and uh, I'm the co-founder of a company called Two Bit Circus. And uh, before I 
uh, sort of share with you our, our uh, uh, ridiculous project. Uh, I, w I would love to sort of t get to how we got here. Uh, and basically, seven years ago, when I met my co-founder, uh, we were uh, both had STEM jobs. So I was working uh, building video games. He was working building robots for the military. And we wanted something else to do nights and weekends. Uh, and so we started collaborating, building interactive art. Uh, we made this uh, uh, six-player video game, you know, real simple uh, uh, graphics and whatnot, just as a fun thing to bring to events. And uh, we grabbed a bunch of our friends, and we sort of had this nightly club. We'd meet and we'd talk about the projects we were working on, and uh, you know, we were all we were all nerds, all applying, uh, you know, our you know, sort of engineering skills to building fun stuff. And uh, uh, actually, there's an, another one. Uh, we filled a room with laser beams and, and then flooded it with fog and, you know, had people go through playing like it was Mission Impossible. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. It doesn't matter what age you are, you know what to do when you see a room full of laser beams, right? You know? <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, this was all simple stuff. We were using the tools of the day, right? Arduinos and sort of all this kind of really easy uh, 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 gear to, to have fun. And we really challenged ourselves to make something new every month. And, you know, we threw a lot against the wall and some stuff was terrible and some stuff was really fun and uh, you know and and the, the part that was really neat was it didn't matter who you were, people really were, were having a ball playing with this stuff. And uh, uh, we were sort of informally called Mindshare Labs at the time as we sort of just sort of took this stuff all around. And, uh, and then an interesting thing happened. Uh, uh, this rock band up in, Northern, up in Los Angeles found out about this like, band of nerds and said, hey, would you guys help us make a music video? And like a, like a good band of nerds, we said, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and so it, it, was, it was a video that, that was a huge Rube Goldberg machine. And it it was like this crazy, you know, thing that was all done in one shot across 20,000 square feet, and, uh, and it went crazy viral. And, uh, and the part that was really surprising to all of us is teachers and parents called, and they said, hey, thanks so much. That was really something powerful. We used it in our physics class, and it was inspiring for our kids, and that was really a, that was really a, a, a powerful uh, tool for us. And we scratched our heads, and we're like, what? We're not educators. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and the, the, but the, the, the other side of it was, you know, we were all, we're all engineers, right? Physicists, robotics, electrical engineering, software development, and we're building games and having all this fun and on, on one side. And then the other side, Kids don't want to be engineers, right? They don't. They 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 are sitting there thinking that you know it's not an exciting thing. So clearly, there's a branding problem, right? Because what kid wouldn't want to sit there and build games and have all this fun? Uh, so we set out to basically sort of recast that and maybe and and, and do do some work to sort of uh, uh, convince kids that actually engineers are the new rock stars. Uh, so last year we we launched a Kickstarter for uh, what we call the Steam Carnival, which is a bunch of high tech amusement on one side and a whole bunch of opportunities for kids to get involved on the other. Uh, and so you, you uh, uh, a few different things. So we launched it as a Kickstarter and, and it was nuts. I mean, you know, the neat thing about uh, Kickstarter is it's basically like entrepreneurial magic sauce. You, you, you can sort of, you know, in one world, the old world, you, you spend two years building something and then you launch it and you sort of hope that people actually want it. Uh, uh, in, the, in the new world, you sort of come up with an idea, describe it well, put it out there, and, you know, in the worst case, people don't want it and you've saved yourself, the, you know, two years years. Uh, uh, and in the best case, they just, you know, the, the, there's this huge appetite for it. And, and that was what happened to us. I and mean, we just got all this coverage. We even had a tweet from Martha Stewart. Uh, you know, I mean, it was like, well, you know, that's a badge of honor, right? Uh, and uh, so, uh, so, so we launched this thing and, and uh, you know, it's got, uh, I sort of joke, this is our over-promising rendering. Um, so it, <laughs> it, it, won't, it won't look like that. Uh, but man, someday that would be great. Uh, uh, but maybe 
a little bit more like this, right? A whole bunch of high-tech amusement, right? Lots of games, the kind of stuff we've been building for years, but that we leave the backs off the stuff so the kids can sort of see what it is that goes into these things, the kinds of tools that we're using, and then a whole set of workshops where they can build their own uh, toys and games. And, and, and for us, there's, there's a real critical element here. The kids who are going to the science fair and U.S. First Robotics and whatnot, they already are STEM kids, right? They already get it. They're on the road. They're going to be working at Qualcomm. It's going to be awesome. But if we're going to fix the STEM gap, right, we've got to make it exciting for the kids that aren't doing that, right? the ones who don't understand it. And so we, we set out to do it through domains that we know they love, music, fashion, and games. So at our event, there's a fashion show. But it's not just any fashion show. It's a wearable electronics fashion show. There's a concert of musical robots uh, and, and an arcade of like indie group games so that they get to build all this stuff leading up to the event uh, and then get to showcase it there on stage. They get not only the, the, the sort of uh, uh, fun with the electronics and sort of the basic tools that, that you need to be an inventor, uh, but also the sort of stage time and, 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 and the, uh, the excitement that goes around that. Um, so a couple of quick things. I think I'm running out of time. Uh, this is a, a Jacob's Ladder, you know, 10,000 volts of electricity that we've hooked up to a, a, the Carnival High Striker. Uh, so uh, uh, that's, that's pretty fun. Uh, this is a uh, what we call human meteors. This kid is actually, we're using a laser projector and a Kinect camera to track where he is. And then he's playing the game of asteroids. He's got a Wiimote in his hand. Uh, and so he's moving around. And this is a very social game. The people behind him are saying, hey, turn around. You're about to, you know, that asteroid's about to hit you. And, and the part that I love about this is, is here's little Johnny. Uh, and here's his grandma uh, uh, <laughs> playing it. Also, you can see she's 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 just she's just uh, uh, died in that. So at any rate, uh, 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 but uh, I think is that all my slides? Oh no! Oh yeah, this is our button wall twister. This you know, and so here's our big version of this thing. But you can imagine the exact same tools in a very small one that is you know a whole bunch of buttons. We could just play sort of finger twister on the on the uh, on the table. Um, so we've got a whole bunch of kits. Uh, we've organized a network of mentors from uh, the engineers at GE and the Children's Hospital in Cisco uh, to provide support for the kids leading up to the event. Um, and, and I'm so excited to report we finally settled on a, vent and, uh, on a date and a venue. It's going to be at San Pedro at uh, the end of October, uh, the 25th and 26th. Beautiful maritime warehouse. Uh, uh, it's really, uh, I'm just ecstatic. It's really going to be uh, something special. So thanks. Thanks so much. So we, we were going to be able to do um, questions and whatnot, but we're out of time, so we're not going to be able to do that. But it's all about radical collaboration, you guys. We, we've got NASA on one end, and we've got the circus on the other end. And, and then I literally, I brought one of my teachers with me today who firmly believes that you know, we're looking for a space and we've got great ideas. He said, you know, all I need to do is bring in my Tupperware tub of Arduino stuff and put it in the room and let's start there. So that's all you need to do. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.